Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode bonus episode 41 of An American Workplace. And we've already done intro stuff. We've already done life catch-up stuff. And so we're going to just go ahead and jump into the discussion for this one. Uh, this is going to be us talking about Michael Scott. <laughs> I was going Michael to come Scott. up with like a, a winged intro, like the man, the mystery. The legend. Michael. Yeah, the legend. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, he is in a lot of ways. What the... What a guy. Part of the show. Um, it's kind of emotional to talk about him because he's uh, just my favorite. Uh, big Steve Carell fan, big Michael Scott fan. Um, he grows so freaking much in this season, or in, in, in this series, rather, uh, that it's really, really wonderful to talk about. So let's do it. Let's do it. Let's talk about... Michael! <laughs> <laughs> I've got to find other ways to push these buttons. Yes, okay. you should. Okay. Oh. <laughs> uh, there it is. <laughs> okay. So early Michael Scott. Um, I think so much of the show's painful style of comedy, like that cringy comedy that it started to be known for, mm -hmm. was due to Michael. Um, he really, I think, for the most part, was the comedy aspect for the first I don't know, episode at least. <laughs> um, I, I don't quite know how to describe what I'm saying, but like the office was known to be what it was because of Michael Scott. Oh, absolutely. Like if, if Jim, if Jim and Pam weren't the reason you were tuning in for the show, like if you weren't the sucker for the romantic part, then you were tuning in to see what antics Michael got up to every week. Yeah. And in season one, he was a very different character than we got in the rest of the series. Um, because they were trying to more adapt Ricky Gervais's character uh, in certain respects from the original UK office. And so in season one, Michael is socially clueless, mostly unlikable. It's the, the socially clueless continues through the show, but the mostly unlikable changes after season one, uh, even though through his unlikableness in a lot of ways, he's morbidly funny in season one. Mm -hmm. um, seeing how he seems to misunderstand everything around him and doesn't know how to approach people and doesn't know how to do things the correct way in regards to social interactions. Um, and so we get moments like in diversity day telling or asking Kelly to try his googie googie. Um, and I mean, there's so many painful moments like that. Think about the way he treats Katie and hot girl at the end of season one. Uh, he, he buys the espresso machine because she makes one throwaway comment about coffee. Like he has no idea what he's doing, and he, uh, I think about healthcare. Isn't that what it's healthcare? Is that what the episode's called? I think so. Uh, yeah, yeah, healthcare. Episode three, uh, healthcare. There's that moment, and the office became famous for moments like this, where he's trying to think of a surprise that he has, but he doesn't have one, and so it's like thirty solid seconds of awkward silence as everybody stares at Michael, and he uncomfortably is trying to think of the surprise. And so we, we see a lot of um, early personality in Michael and how, how he just doesn't know what he's doing in a lot of ways. But thankfully that changes. I always describe very early Michael Scott as a used car salesman. Yeah. He's greasy. He's kind of a jerk. He's, I'm so sorry if anyone's a used car salesman. This is just a stereotype. Um, <laughs> uh, greasy, kind of of a jerk. He's insensitive. Um, it's like you took a toddler and aged him 40 years and set him loose in the, in the world. Like, he's just, 
he doesn't know what to do with his feelings. Um, Up to his age, but not his maturity. Yeah. Like he's just, when he is uncomfortable, he makes it into a really bad joke and he uses comedy to mask his feelings. Um, We learn that he had a pretty rough childhood. We don't really get specifics, but we do get the feeling that he is the way he is because of something in his past. It seems like his parents were pretty distant, uh, definitely divorced, as mm-hmm. there was a guy that was not his dad in the picture as well. Um, he didn't have friends, and it just it was like the worst version of that became his adult reality. Yeah, and then he gets into... Dunder Mifflin, and who knows what his high school experience was. We talked about, I mean, we heard about all of his awful birthday parties that he had over the years, and yes, the lack of friends and all that kind of stuff. The Fundle Bundle episode in uh, Take Your Daughter to Work Day. And he gets to Dunder Mifflin, and he starts working at Dunder Mifflin, presumably pretty early after high school. We know he didn't go to college. And you know what? Do you know who was working there when Michael Scott started working there? Todd Packer. And so we can thank a lot of who Michael became to Todd Packer. You see a lot of that influence in him, especially early in the show. And thankfully, eventually, he divorces himself from admiring Todd Packer so much. But that's not until his final season and almost his final episodes in season seven. Um, But thankfully, we do get Michael a little bit more likable when we get into season two. There's a big step up um, because the show got to continue and they didn't know that they were going to. But they decided to make Michael a little bit more attractive. He's more sympathetic. He's more idiot with the heart of gold um and they showed that michael when push comes to shove is competent at his job uh we get episodes like the client in season two and then we also get him trying his hand at relationships at romance with jan and with carol in seasons two and three and uh you said you made the comment earlier about him being like a, a third grader or something like that being aged up i mean he pursues these relationships as fervently as a middle schooler would yeah, it's he is so full of emotion. He doesn't always know what to do with it, but man, when he feels things, he feels them, which is not always a bad thing. Uh, mm-hmm. But you should know what to do with that, and he doesn't. So when he meets someone, he is imagining her with his last name already. You know, he's like mm-hmm. forty-five steps ahead of where he is, um, <laughs> which gets him into a lot of trouble. It did with Carol. And the photo of (laughs) him and the kids and her on a ski trip, which never happened. Yikes. Uh, Not great. And we see his relationship with Jan, which is, it starts funny and weird, and then it gets deeply dark. Um, She is terribly abusive and mean and bad for him and incredibly selfish. And... I hate seeing Michael in that relationship because it's it's a lot of to me like the the Pam and Roy relationship. Mm-hmm. It's he he's being emotionally and I don't know, definitely emotionally abused. Um she makes him feel bad about himself and he doesn't need any more of that. It seems like that's already what he got growing up. And I don't know. I, I have some pretty bad feelings about Jan in case you haven't noticed. <laughs> well, it's the same sort of stuff we get from Todd Packer too. 
we talked a lot in the course of discussing the show, Michael's relationship with Dwight and how Michael takes advantage of the goodwill that Dwight has towards Michael and that, that relationship that they have together. Um, and it takes him a long time to get to the point of actually being friends with Dwight. Well, Todd Packer treats Michael the way Michael t- treats Dwight in the beginning of the show. There's a, that parallel again. And he is just so unaware of people using him to get what they want for, for Jan. It's getting basically sex, getting intimacy without the emotional attachment. Um, and then you get Packer who's just taking advantage, uh, being a jerk and rubbing off on Michael in the worst ways. Um, as we get into season three, Michael starts to become a little bit more socially aware. He's trying to be a better person, although he still struggles. Uh, the first episode of season three is gay witch hunt when he outs Oscar as gay to the office, which is bad, but then he does feel incredibly guilty about it and he tries to make amends. So he, he's past the point of making mistakes and not admitting to them. He's making mistakes and he's admitting to them. And now we just have to slowly wait for him to get to the point where he's just not making those same kinds of mistakes, which takes a long time, but eventually he gets there still further down the line. But in seeing how upset he is by outing Oscar, we see how much he cares about his employees. And we see more of that in, again, my favorite, possibly my favorite episode, business school, when he goes to Pam's (laughs) art show after being set up by Ryan at his class and he expresses to Pam his pride in her work and in their business. He had told Ryan in that episode, business is always personal. It's the most personal thing in the world. So we see Michael's motivation in being a boss. He wants, he wants to be liked. He wants to be respected. Um, and so everything he's doing is to put on a show to get the, to gain the affection of his coworker or to get the, gain the affection of his employees. And he shows in business school, how much he cares about Pam and he expresses his pride in her and, buys the office and he says, that is our building. We, we sell paper. We have pride in that. We need to have pride in that because if we don't, who's going to? Uh, so I really like how in season three, he's becoming uh, um, more aware and is learning from mistakes. Even in season three, uh, you, you touched on this. He, he makes those mistakes. He recognizes those mistakes and then he tries to atone for his mistakes. It's that atoning bit. Uh, that's just Hurricane Michael. He, once he realizes he's made the mistake, it's like when he kisses Oscar, (laughs) Um, (laughs) like you don't need, you've, you've already messed up, right? Right. (laughs) You already did the bad thing. And then you apologized. Now, Oscar does not have to accept your apology. You did the thing. You apologize for the thing. He makes Oscar, you know, accept it. Uh, by kissing him and he gets in this trajectory for a long time of after his mistakes just causing more chaos in order to try to atone for what he did (laughs) Uh, so he's just a a cyclical guy um, but we're finally starting to see his heart where he is it's all because he loves people so much he loves people Mm-hmm. He just does. Um, he's such a people guy, and people aren't a Michael guy, <laughs> you know? Um, he's trying so hard, but he's not emotionally equipped yet or socially equipped yet to deal with these real relationships. 
either romantically or personally. Um, and in these early relationships from the show, we see how much he wants to be a father also. Mm-hmm. That's a big part of his character. And we see the moments where he does and where he is able to interact with children and he's surprisingly competent in that area. We see take your daughter to work day where he, where he talks with those kids. Uh, we see uh, one of the Halloween episodes. I don't remember which one specifically, but we, we see him at home and the kids come to the door and he lights up and he passes out candy and he's such a personable person. Like he, the, the advantage of Michael's kind of lack of maturity in a lot of ways is that he's able to identify with kids on a real personal level and in mm-hmm. a not creepy way. Um, and even in like Scott's tots, which as, yeah. as you know, it is what it is, but he got into that predicament in the first place because he loves kids. Yeah. He wants the best for them. He met a kindergarten class and loved them so much that he promised to pay all of their tuition. That's <sighs> so cool. I mean, it it's is. awful, <laughs> but it's <laughs> the, the heart there is really good. Yes. His heart is in the right place. Thankfully. Um, in season four, though, we get the collapse of his relationship with Jan in Dinner Party. And thankfully, on a positive note, we get the introduction of Holly at the very end of season four. And so after enduring this hugely toxic relationship with Jan, who's controlling his life and spending all of his money and telling him to have vasectomies back and forth, snip, snap, snip, snap, uh, she doesn't deserve him. But then Holly ends up being his soup snake. <laughs> yep. And so season five, we start to develop that relationship. Uh, they are perfect for each other. And because of Jim, Michael approaches the relationship the right way. Previously with people like Carol and like with Jan, he just dives in headfirst into the deep end, deep end, not knowing how to swim. But he sort of eases himself into the shallow end first with, with Holly. He takes things slow. He tries to find out about her, about the things she likes, about the things she doesn't like, the things she doesn't like, find out about her, her personal life. And Jim, genuinely become a friend to her before they dive into actually dating. And so we see how perfect they are for each other through that development. Yeah. It's, I think the most kismet relationship of the show. Yes. Like Jim and Pam are perfect. We all know that, you know, but they're it's a struggle to get to where they were. It feels mm-hmm. like Michael and Holly just meet and click. There is a little bit of tension there. Um, Holly has to move and they don't want to do long distance. And so they don't. And Holly meets AJ. Um, and so that puts a kink in things for a while. But when they're together, there is no try. It just is. They are perfect. Um, Even in company picnic, when they're not together and they're just like, working professionally and putting on the skit together. We see how well they get along with each other. She's still with AJ at that point in time, but they fall right into step that they were at the beginning of season five when they were actually dating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's really something special and everyone sees it, which is really cool. Um, and I think Jim forcing Michael to take this slowly did two things. One it made it clear how perfect Michael and Holly were because even Jim was like, you will not screw this up. She is your <laughs> wife. She will be your wife. <laughs> right. Basically. Uh, like do not mess this up because you will not find another one like this. Uh, and it also forced Michael into a state of being more mature and taking this slowly as, as he needed to do. And 
I think that was the start of his very rapid uh, phase of maturing. And he he became a husband over the course of knowing Holly. He became who he needed to be to marry her and have a family. Um, because once he met the right person, it, it was so natural that he would mature into who he needed to be to make that happen. Um, it, it, was, it was so instant. It was, I correct myself. It was not instant, but it was, it was so fast uh, because he knew how special she was. And that leads into, unfortunately, her departure um, because, I mean, I guess we could talk about this a little bit. We talked about it in our normal episode too, but David found out that him and Holly were dating and decided, nope, that can't happen. Holly has to go back to Nashua. And I, a lot of people point out the sort of double standard of uh, Jim and Pam being able to date with each other. Um, and I'm trying to think of, isn't there another example that people always point out? Um, maybe uh, not. Not sure. But, but this is different because it's, it, it's yeah, corporate. The, yeah. The thing is it's corporate and Michael has had a history with dating people. Like the thing with Jan and uh, Michael ultimately almost caught Dunder, uh, cost Dunder Mifflin a whole lot of money. Um, because of the the whole lawsuit situation, I don't blame David for moving yeah, I, her. <laughs> I don't at all. It's 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 unfortunate because of how perfectly Michael and Holly go together, but it's in the interest of protecting the company and kind of trying to protect Michael too. David's not around all the time to see how perfectly him and Holly are together, um, and so in splitting them up, Dwight is or David is trying to prevent any fallout that might have happened down the line had they ended up not being perfect for each other um so that sucks and then charles minor comes into the picture and that sucks even more and so in being feeling like he's being betrayed by dunder mifflin michael sets off and starts the michael scott paper company which is still i think among my favorite arcs of the whole show those three episodes or so that we get at the michael scott paper company um it's a big moment of growth for michael as he just, he, he realizes that Dunder Mifflin is not infallible and his devotion doesn't need to be to the company when after so much loyalty to the company, he thought he was owed loyalty in return and didn't get that. And so he realizes, oh, this place isn't perfect. I don't owe all of my loyalty to this place. I'm going to go set off on my own and prove that I'm capable of doing that. I'm capable of being something outside of this company. And so he does. And maybe Michael's got paper company in one respect isn't a successful effort. They don't succeed in being a business that's going to last, but they succeed in proving a point in showing that Michael is capable of being a good manager because they do end up stealing a lot of com uh, clients from Dunder Mifflin and do end up uh, selling out and getting money and they're getting their jobs back and getting Pam a new job and Ryan a new job, despite all the stuff that happened with him in season four. Uh, so it's a big deal that Michael is able to go off to um, the Michael Scott paper company and then come back. Yeah, it's, I don't know, in some ways it's, it's kind of like realizing your parents are people and imperfect. He used to kind of be like Dwight and imagine that, Dunder Mifflin was, I don't know, this perfect company and a perfect place to work and a, and a 
perfect everything. Um, and then he realizes the humanity and he gets strong and departs, which is huge. It's mm-hmm. so big. Um, he wants better for himself, which is a great sign of, of maturation. And he, if it fails, is prepared to try again. He's prepared to fail over and over and over and over. He says, I have no shortage of names. Uh, <laughs> I can keep doing this. I can keep failing. That's fine. This is what I want to do. It ultimately doesn't last that long, and he's absorbed back into Dender Mifflin, but he did what he set out to do. In some ways, that counts as a successful adventure, you know? He was absorbed. His company was bought out <laughs> um, for quite a lot of money. So somebody wanted what he had and paid him for it, um, which, is, which is pretty cool. Yeah, I, I looked up that quote real quick uh, from the moment when David's about to buy back the company. Uh, Michael says, our company is worth nothing. That's the difference between you and I. Business isn't about money to me, David. And then you go back to another episode where he says, it's about the people. The people. <laughs> the people. <laughs> and so that's the end of season five. And we go into season six. And unfortunately, uh, the way I phrased it in my notes, Michael has a little bit of a social relapse as he pursues the relationship with Donna, uh, even when he learns that she's cheating on her husband with him. Um, I don't think we minced words in our episodes talking about that. Michael was a pretty good crap, pretty crappy person during those episodes, uh, unapologetically continuing to, do- to date Donna, even after meeting her husband. Um, thankfully, he does grow a conscience and does cut things off eventually, but the fact that he exercised that at all it was a little bit of a backstep for him. Yeah. And it took a lot of convincing from people in the office to even make that happen. So had it not been for them, who knows how long you would have been seeing her. Um, which is a bummer because until we find out that she's married, I kind of liked them. I mean, she's not mm-hmm. Holly, um, right. but she's fun, you know? Uh, yeah. And then it's like, Oh, she's married. Okay. Stop what you're doing. And he doesn't. And it takes a lot of convincing for that to happen. Um, yeah, big backstep, big blemish on his uh, character. But just for a second, uh, still love him. Yeah, because then in season seven, we get Holly back. And over the course of season seven, even before Holly comes back, Michael, it seems that every episode in season seven, you know, they, were, they knew that Steve Carell was leaving um, at the end of the season. And so every episode seems to redeem a flaw of Michael. And so every day he becomes a better and better person, every episode. And he is maturing and letting go of things that are ultimately unimportant in his life in favor of the things that, that are. Uh, Todd Packer is one of those things. Uh, Brett Level Midnight, as much as he loved making that movie and ri- writing that movie and filming that movie and cutting that movie, uh, through Holly, he realizes that ultimately it's not that important because his love for her is more important. So there's that. And also his pride. He lets go a lot of his pride in that specific episode and in other ways too throughout season seven. And then comes time to propose. And of course, Michael wants to do something gigantic <laughs> and dangerous. Uh, <laughs> gigantic is lot. fine. <laughs> uh, dangerous is not. So it ends up being 
a much smaller fire, lots of little fires, uh, that ends up <laughs> s- setting off the uh, the smoke alarms and the fire alarm, the the sprinklers. And it's beautiful and perfect, and everyone's there, which is also really important. Um, that he wanted everyone to witness this, and there was something I actually read on an article or a forum or something that previous Michael went into these crazy thought spirals and ideas and fears that no one could talk him out of when Michael freaks out because he doesn't know where they're going to be living in Colorado when Mm -hmm. Holly is already in Colorado and he calls her and he's, he's panicked. I mean, he's, he's quiet, but he's panicked and Holly just hearing her voice snaps him out of it. Right. It's such chemistry. It's such perfect material. Like, he all he needed was hey we're gonna be living in boulder oh okay (laughs) great uh and that was it like i i just i love that scene because it just shows how like he was tearing up and he just i just want to see you i just want to i just want to be there Mm -hmm. and we get goodbye michael his his final episode um well final regular episode (laughs) uh where he is trying to have a final moment with everybody in the office. And it seems like every final moment he's aiming for is, is resolving something that was a wrong against that person earlier in the show. So like the first one that that's coming to mind right now is in Christmas party in season two, Phyllis knits Michael an oven mitt or yeah, Phyllis knits Michael an oven mitt as a Christmas gift and he explodes and he hates it. And he, turns it into a game so that people can fight over his gift and he can get something else that he likes more than a homemade oven mitt that was made specifically for him, made for him, not bought, made. And then in Goodbye Michael, he has Phyllis making him mittens and he keeps pushing her and pushing her to finish these mittens because he wants to be able to take them with him. Mm. And in pushing her, he's showing her how important the mittens are to him. And so that that's a specific wrong that is trying to be righted. And so he tries to do that with everybody. And he has those final moments with Jim that are so touching. He has that letter that he writes for Dwight using the word, I think it's superlative mm-hmm. talking about how D- Dwight as both a worker and as a man and as a friend is higher than everybody else. And Dwight, who is so uh, callous yeah so he was so callous he was so out of love with michael to to read that letter and to change his mind and to realize how much michael does care for him at the end of the day it was really really special so i, I love watching michael mend these relationships and saying goodbye and then of course one of our favorite relationships michael and pam is mm-hmm. really really sweet because he is freaking out because pam is gone it's not supposed to be his last day he's supposed to leave tomorrow. And Pam's taking a little personal day. She's off watching a movie and off running errands and just hanging. Uh, but Michael's trying to check off his list and say bye to everyone. And it's so important to him that he says bye to Pam. And he can't find her anywhere. And Jim knows now. And he's calling Pam. He's texting her. Where are you? But her phone's off. She's in a movie. And yeah, Michael's so hurt. And we see their goodbye at the airport. Pam went to the airport and this is, uh, this is post nine 11. So she went through security, <laughs> uh, which means she got a ticket to go say goodbye. 
Um, which is just, that never would have happened before, you know? It's just so good. They are friends. Um, mm-hmm. Best boss she ever had. <laughs> or I guess that's yeah. what Jim said, but, but I'm sure it holds. Yeah. And how sweet. What a great moment. And then that leads us to Michael's actual final moments, which are in the finale. Um, and in the finale, we see a man whose dreams have been fulfilled. He's married to the love of his life. He has children who he couldn't be more proud of. And what's more is he's showing how much Dwight and the rest of his employees still mean to him after all this time. It's been a few years at this point since he left Dunder Mifflin and he's flown out from Colorado and he's there to support Dwight to be his bestish mensch. He's there with his multiple phones to show off all the pictures he has of his kids. Uh, He is so proud of his family, um, but he's not forgetting the family that he had first for so many years, which is which are his employees from Dunder Mifflin. All these people were his family. That's what he considered. Again, business was about the people to him. And in the absence of having a real family for so long, his work people were surrogates. And to see him come back and emphasize that is really, really special. Any thoughts to wrap up Michael? I mean, he's, he's great. <laughs> um, <laughs> what, what a guy. Yeah. Um, I, I, let's see. I, I still have my uh, soundboard in front of me. I got a couple buttons I haven't hit yet. So I'm going to hit this one. <laughs> okay. No, God. <laughs> <laughs> no, God, please. No, 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 yeah. no. no! <laughs> and then one more. You have won a tiny dundee. There you go, Michael. Um, uh, good times. It's, it's funny because we, we talked about him in the finale, but this was our first time like really talking about Michael in a long time um, because it had been a long time since he left. Season seven, we talked about, I don't know, a long time ago. Yeah. So at least a year at this point. So if, I don't, if you don't have any other closing thoughts, I think I've said my piece. Me too. Well, thank you, everybody. This is the end of bonus episode 41. and. I, I don't know if there will be more, to be honest. Um, we're not going to say for sure definitively one way or another. There's always possibilities of things. But right now we're going to, to sort of hang our hats um, as if both of us were wearing hats right now. I know I'm not, but <laughs> theoretically. Speaking. It's also um, a podcast, so just we're wearing hats. <laughs> yeah, yes. And so... Uh, this is a goodbye in a lot of respects, although I do want to tease since this is the last of the bonus episodes. Uh, if you've been following the Twitter, I have kind of sort of teased a couple of times that there's something happening, but I have been it's so big. extremely vague about it <laughs> and I am still going to be vague about it. Although by the time this episode releases, you might know what the thing is. Uh, it just depends. This is and very so, confusing and I like it. <laughs> <laughs> I am being intentionally cryptic <laughs> it's very exciting stay tuned um maybe yes. i don't know guys don't worry about it <laughs> yeah so one final sign off for now at least uh katie how about you give us your contact details <laughs> it feels so narcissistic to be like thank you for all the good times here's where you can find me <laughs> you can find me uh i'm just gonna stick with twitter uh you can find me on twitter at ktlady623 and I'm on Twitter at Shadadada, C-H-A-D-A-D-A-D-A. 
And obviously we're still going to be watching the office. We're still going to be talking about the office and we still both have the workplace pod Twitter account on our phones. Mm -hmm. And so we will still be interacting with you there. If you ever listen back, like I actually uh, downloaded an episode of the podcast earlier today that I'm going to go back and listen to. Cause I was like, Oh, I, I wonder what we said about this. I want to, mm-hmm. I want to rem- reminisce, which I've done before. And so I, I, I was always keen on making a podcast that I would like to listen to. And I, I do that sometimes. <laughs> um, so yeah. definitely if you are watching the office and want to say something, or you're listening to us again and want to say something, reach out. We want to continue hearing from you guys, even if we're not recording new things. So all that said, Workplace pod on Twitter, workplacepod at gmail.com for email. We will talk to you all later. Thank you. Thank you so much, guys. Bye.